He was vice chairman of claims for the Aon Corporation. He had a wife, Wendy, and three small children. He went up to work on the 105th floor, tower number two, the south tower, and all of a sudden it happened. The plane hit the north tower, wasn't exactly sure what was happening, but he told his wife that he was safe and that he was going to be going down the stairs, and, and all of a sudden the plane hit the south tower, and everything changed. What I'm about to read is a transcript and the 911 call that Kevin Cosgrove made. 911. What's the telephone number I can tell fire department to push up? What's the telephone number you're calling from? Kevin. I can barely see. 911. You can barely see? 911. At number two tower, Trade Center? Kevin. Right, lady, there's two of us in this office. We're not ready to die. But it's getting bad. 911. I understand, sir. We're trying to get all the apparatuses there. I'm trying to let them know where you are. Stay in the line. Kevin. Oh, please hurry. Fire department. Let me talk to the caller, please. Let me talk to the caller. Where is he? 911. He's on the line. Fire department. Let me talk to him. Where is the fire, sir? Kevin. Smoke really bad, 105, two-tower, fire department. All right, sit tight. We'll get to you as soon as we can, Kevin. They keep saying that, but the smoke's really bad now, fire department. That's all we can do now, Kevin. What floor are you guys up to, fire department? We're getting there. We're getting there, Kevin. It doesn't feel like it, man. I got young kids, fire department. I understand that, sir. We're on the way. 911. He's on the 105th floor in the northwest corner. Kevin. He hung up on me. Hello, operator? 911. Yes? Kevin. Come on, man. 911. I understand. We have everything we need, sir. Kevin. I know you do, but it doesn't seem like it. You got lots of people up here. Kevin. I know you got a lot in the building, but. We're on the top. Smoke raises, too. We're, we're on the floor. We're in the window. I, I can barely breathe now. I can't see. 911. Okay, just try to hang in there. I'm, I'm going to stay with you. Kevin. You can say that. You're in an air-conditioned building. What the blank happened? 911. Okay, I'm still here. Still trying. The fire department is trying to get to you. Kevin. Doesn't feel like it. 911. Okay, try to calm down so you can conserve your oxygen, okay? Try to... Kevin. Tell God to blow the wind from the west. It's really bad. It's black. It's arid. Does anyone else want to chime in here? We're young men. We're not ready to die. 911. I understand. Kevin. How the blank are you going to get my blank down? I need oxygen. 911. They're coming. They're getting you. They have a lot of apparatuses on the scene. Kevin. It doesn't feel like it, lady. You get them... From all over. You get them from Jersey. I, I don't give a blank. Ohio? 911. Okay, sir, what's your last name? Kevin. Name's Cosgrove. I, I must have told you about a dozen times already. C O S G R O V E. My wife thinks I'm all right. I called and said I was leaving the building and that I was fine, and then bang, cherry, 
Doug Cherry. Doug Cherry's next to me. 105. Whose office? John Ostra's office. 911. That's where he said? That's the office? Kevin. We're in John Ostra's office. O S T A R U. 911. A R U? Kevin. Right. That's the office we're in. There are three of us in here. 911. Ostro, hello? Kevin. Hello. We're looking in. We're overlooking the financial center. Three of us. Two broken windows. Oh, God, oh. The tower collapses. When I listened to that video and viewed it this past week, it's the first time I ever saw it. I know many of you have seen it. And it shows a picture of the tower, and as soon as you say that says the tower is collapsing, it collapses. And uh, it was a powerful experience for me. It just brought back anew the terror on that day. As you listen to his voice, the fear that he was filled with, knowing that he was going to die. And then I thought about, okay, there's one guy. And how many people died? The people on the plains, the, the people that knew it was coming, the knew it was the end. That was a day that was filled with fear and terror. Unfortunately, they succeeded. They, fulfilled, they filled this nation with a sense of terror and what they could do. Fear is a part of our lives. And certainly in the back of our minds, we always pray and hope there will never be another 9-11. That's just a, one of the fears that we have. We have a lot of fears if we allow them to take control of us. And that's one of the beauties of the 911 system that was created back in the 1950s on a national basis is that you can call wherever you are at. You have a phone, especially a cell phone today. And you can ask for help when you're facing physical danger. When you're in an accident. When your house is burning down. When you've been attacked. And somebody will answer on the other line. In fact, accidentally, I tested the system out about a week ago. I was uh, on my droid and using the voice command call, whatever name, and all of a sudden it dialed 911. I was thinking, oh, wait, <laughs> end, 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 end. And, uh, and I waited, and two minutes they called me. And they said, are you okay? And I said, yeah, I'll chagrin. <laughs> well, I was talking to my droid, and... Uh, it uh, dialed 911. I'm really sorry about that. And I said, that's okay. And ten minutes later, a police car pulls up in front of my house. And uh, I said, okay. So I get out of the, my chair and uh, walk outside and talk to the police officer. And he was very kind. And the reason, of course, they do that is because a man said everything was okay. <laughs> you know? Unfortunately, 
women call in the midst of domestic disturbances, and the man will answer when they call back. So they need to check that out. And I appreciate that they do that uh, so much. The system works. Like the next day, one of our kids locked the keys in the car, and we had the police officer out again. So a lot of action there at 1204 Crystal Lake Road, Lake of Nails. Yeah, <laughs> kept them busy. <laughs> Aren't you thankful for our police officers and our firefighters? Yeah, let's give them a hand. You know, especially with police officers, sometimes we can have a you know, kind of an edgy attitude, especially when they pull us over. But, uh, you know, we need to be so thankful for their willingness to put their line, life on the line every day for us. I mean, do you do that in your job? Do you go out there knowing that you could die because you're putting yourself in a very dangerous situation? Any police officers or firefighters, paramedics here today? Anybody? Okay, okay, all right, okay. Here. I want you guys to stand up. Let's just stand up for just a moment, okay? Let's give them a hand. Thank you so much. Thank you. We appreciate all you do, and we honor your fellow brethren who gave their lives that day to save people. What a beautiful act of love. So the 911 system works, and we're so thankful for that. But let me ask you a question. Think about this. We have a number to call when we're in physical danger, but what about when we're in emotional danger? What about when we're at a crisis point in our lives emotionally? The psalmist asks this question in Psalm 121, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? Where does my help come from? Is there a number to call when I lose my job? What number do I call when I lose my job? What number do I call when I can't pay my bills? I'm doing my best, but I, you know, I don't have the money. The bill collectors are calling. Who do I call? Who do I call when I'm in the midst of a marital meltdown? Who do I call when my, my child is just incredibly challenging, whether it be 2 or 12 or 22 or 32? Who do I call? Who do I call when I find out I have a serious illness that will change my life forever? Who do I call when I'm feeling hopeless? Who do I call? Now the psalmist answers that question, in Psalm 34, the righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. We call God, don't we, when we're in need, emotional and spiritual, and every other need we have. And, and the majority of us who have made that decision to follow Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, we have that access to God that He's always there for us, He's always listening. He's always there to empower us and to guide us and to help us. It's a wonderful thing to know. But the problem is, is that you know I can pray to God, and that's important. But it's not like 
talking to somebody else on the other end of that 911 call. There's not somebody there to put an arm around me. There's not somebody there to help me with the physical things that need to be done. So how does God work that out? Well, I believe the way God works that out is that He has established 911 calling centers throughout the world. And that is called the church. We, as a church, as a body of Christ, we are a 911 calling center. God planted us here almost 15 years ago in order that we might meet the emotional and spiritual needs of this community. And there are many other 911 calling centers operating for God in this area, and we're so thankful for the work that they're doing. But God has given us a mission, and that is to deliver His grace to people when they're in 911 situations. This is a picture of uh, Jerry and Alice Wiley. Some of you know Alice. She's been suffering with emphysema for the last uh, several years. And this past Friday, she passed away and went to be with the Lord. And who did Jerry call? Jerry called God's 911 calling center. He called me. I was pulling... Uh, the drive here, and uh, he called me up, and I turned right around and went right to his house. And one of the first people there, and just spent some time with Jerry, praying with him and his sons, and uh, reflecting and planning. There'll be a funeral service at Willow at 10 a.m. on Wednesday, and Jerry was in our earlier service. But that's who you call. You call on God's 911 calling center. And, you know, Jerry and Alice weren't attending church anywhere, and they uh, saw Springbrook being built five years ago. And they said, that's a church we're going to go to. They saw the calling center going up, and they said, that's where we're going to get plugged in. And their lives were transformed. They're God's calling center here. Uh, they became Christ followers. They experienced that, that first grace of God that we celebrate so much. And if you're here today and you don't know about that grace, you feel distant from God, you don't know what we're talking about when we're talking about God meeting our most innermost needs, uh, I would encourage you to realize that you're a sinner Realize that Jesus Christ died for your sins and paid the price for the penalty of your sins and that all you have to do is repent of your sins, turn from your sins, and believe in what Jesus Christ did for you. And you'll be a child of God. And your life will be transformed and the grace that Jesus Christ offers will pour through your life. You see, the important thing is to realize that the grace that Christ gives us at the cross doesn't start there. It doesn't stop there, that is. It comes into our lives when we first make that decision to follow Christ. But then it continues. Every day we need God's grace. We cannot live without God's grace in our life. And so not only do people make a decision to follow Christ here at our calling center, but at the same time they continue to grow 
and they continue to access that grace. And, and God has put each of you here who know Him, if you call this church your home, He's called you to staff His calling center, His 911 calling center, in order that you might give grace to others, in order that you might love others and care for others and bake meals and serve others and all that kind of stuff. Every time we're coming in contact with each other, we have an opportunity to grace another person, to encourage them, to pray with them, to help them in some concrete way. And that's what happened in Jerry and Alice's life because as she deteriorated, she was part of a small group, John Gervais' small group, and that's why we you know, just challenge people to get involved in a small group because they just surrounded Jerry and Alice through this very difficult time of their lives, and they were, they were the 911 staffers from our center that really loved them and just poured grace into their lives as she went through this difficult process. That's what it's all about. We're all on staff here at God's 911 center, and our job is to give grace to one another and the people who walk through our doors, and we, we play a very significant role, and uh, we're part of a very important group as we read in First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. God says, but you are a chosen people. You've been chosen to be part of our staff, okay? A royal priesthood, which means that we all have the same access to God. Because I'm a pastor, I don't have a special access. I don't have a gold card or something like that. No, we all have the same access to God. We're all serving Him. We're all delivering grace. You can deliver as much grace to a person as I can through your particular gifts and experiences and passions. A royal priesthood, a holy nation. This is so important because if we are going to uh, be telling people that Jesus Christ is the answer in life, we need to live in such a way that they're going to think this person is credible. Now, God has made us holy through His Son, but now we need to live out that holiness through Jesus Christ's power on a day-by-day basis. And so if they look at our lives and say, you know, that person's not perfect, but they're approaching life from a totally different perspective and in terms of how they view things and what they're doing and how they relate to people. And, and, and that's what attracts people to Jesus is the way we live out our lives. And, and so we're called to be a holy nation, a people belonging to God, we're His representatives, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. So, we're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. Why? So we can declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light, that this church, this body might shine the light through our lives, and we would say, God is so great. You need to get to know Him. You need to get to know Jesus Christ. He'll change your life. We're going to have a great time next weekend. It is our 15th anniversary, 15 years that God has blessed us and used us in this area. I encourage you to make it a priority to be there next weekend as we declare His praises, as well as the most important worship service of the year, is going to take place at uh, Lake in the Hills, Indian Trail Beach. And uh, we're going to baptize, as Rich was talking about, hopefully over 30 people, who knows. And uh, baptism services are just so thrilling. 
because it's our harvest vessel. Just like when farmers celebrate the harvest that they bring in from the fields, we celebrate the harvest. These people have already made a decision to follow Christ. Baptism doesn't save a person, but they're coming out publicly to be baptized in order to say, I love Jesus and I love His church. And that's what they're testifying to. And then in the midst of these baptisms, you hear these amazing stories of how God has worked. So it's really a celebration of what's happened here in our midst over the last several years. Because you hear stories of how God's grace was delivered into these people's lives through our calling center. So I just really encourage you to make it a priority. Some people say to me, well, I don't know anybody. It doesn't matter if you don't know anybody. It's because of what we've done as a church, how God has used us to to put grace into people's lives that we're having this celebration. Don't worry about the bears. They start at 12 and their season is over at 3. Did I say season? I meant game. Their game is over at 3 o'clock. Okay, so you'll have more than enough time uh, to get to the baptism. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to declare His praises. Now, the thing about 911 is, I don't call it every day, thankfully. <laughs> uh, but people only call it when they need it. Okay? So we've got to educate people in this community. Hey, we are here. We've got a 911 calling center for God. And when you need us, we'll be here. And that's why we're sending out this postcard. 50,000 pieces. Uh, not this week, but next week. Early in the week, this piece of mail could change your life forever. Hopefully that will grab some people's attention and you flip it over. And there you see our statement, don't throw away this opportunity, and our map and service times. And then we see the copy. This is an invitation to engage with Jesus Christ, the one person who really can change your life forever. So what we're saying to these people, we... As God's 911 calling center here, we believe that Jesus Christ is the answer. Now, we know a lot of people don't believe that. We know a lot of people are just going to throw it away. But there are some people who are going to be touched by the Spirit and say, well, I'm just going to put that away. I mean, postcards have a long shelf life. We've had people come from, you know, I don't know, a year they had the postcard. They've received our postcards for years. And finally... They had a need in their life, and they needed to make a 911 emotional call, and they came to us. They came out to experience what we have as a body, to hear God's Word taught, to sing our souls to God. You know, I mean, that's the point. We never know when they're going to make that call, but we need to be ready. And so we let them know that we're here and that we want to help them in the midst of their life. So if you're one of our 911 staffers, if this is your home at Springbrook, let's look at your job description. 1 Peter 4.10 Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. So each one, if Springbrook is your home and you're a Christ follower, that's you. Each one, not just some of the people, not just the people who have some extra time, not some people who just have gifts and talents to do it. No, every one of us. Can you imagine what would happen at the 911 call center in Chicago? Can you imagine how many people they have working there? 
What if only 50% of the people showed up to work one day? You think that would make the news? I think so. Did you realize that we estimate that only 50% of adults are involved in some type of ministry here? That's a problem, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, we have a very important job here to do. We want to, you know, give grace to people. Initially, when they come to Christ and throughout their Christian life, and we can't be, we can't be operating on 50%. Who wants to operate on 50%? So my challenge to you, if you're not involved in ministry, think through, why am I not involved in ministry? Is it just ignorance? I just didn't know I was supposed to be doing that kind of thing? Or is it you feel competent? You say, I just could never do that kind of thing. That's not me. I'm not skilled, per se. Or maybe it's just sin. Maybe you're saying, I don't have time. i got so much going on. And you know, you've heard it before, that you need to be obedient to God in this area. And we need you. We need a greater capacity of people to be engaged in ministry. So if the Holy Spirit's speaking to you right now, listen to Him. Listen to Him. And get engaged in ministry. In our ministry fair, coming up right after our shortened service here, you'll have an opportunity. The kids will still be in their classrooms so about 10 or 12.25. And you'll have an opportunity to check out different ministries and do a first serve. I encourage you to fill out that yellow sheet in the bulletin. That uh, has more information about it. But find out what you want to be involved in, and you just try it once, like a buffet. You go there first just to kind of try a bunch of different things, uh, first taste, and then you go back for the good stuff. Well, find out what you like. Try it out for one time, just one time you have to, to, try, uh, to show up and minister in that area. And then after that, if you don't like it, you can try something else. But do something. Do something. We need you. More importantly, the people in this church and the people in the community need you. So each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. You received a gift when you became a Christ follower. A gift is a supernatural ability to, again, administer grace in a person's life. It might be the gift of hospitality, welcoming people into your home or welcoming people here at church. It might be the gift of administration, just being able to work through a lot of details and uh, help different ministries operate. It might be the spiritual gift of helps. You just want to help. It doesn't matter what ministry it is. You just want to get in there and you want to assist who's ever there leading that particular minister. It might be the gift of leadership, of leading a ministry. It might be the gift of teaching or discernment. Uh, There are other gifts. If you want to know what your gift is, uh, the first recommendation is just to jump into ministry. (laughs) Okay? You'll figure out what you do well and what you're not so strong in. But I'd also encourage you uh, to be a part of our spiritual gifts class starting November 2nd. It's three weeks long, and it's uh, one week, you know, three sessions, that is. And so write that down on your communication card, uh, spiritual gift interest, and we'll contact you about that. Pastor Rich does a great job of teaching that. But find out what your spiritual gift is. Find out how God has designed you, the unique way that God has given you and your personality and your passion and your gifts and all those kind of things and find a place where God wants you to minister. 
So he's given you a gift he's received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Faithfully administering. I love this. So, again, we're all grace givers at this 911 calling center. We're giving grace to one another because we all need grace every day. Uh, we're giving grace to people who don't know the Lord. And it, it happens in various forms. Somebody's mowing the lawn out there this summer. And they're giving grace to us who drive in on this campus to enjoy God's beauty. They're giving grace to people who buy, drive by to see if they would even want to check this place out. Do they take care of their grounds, that kind of thing? Uh, people who clean the toilets, right? They're giving grace. They're giving grace to us who use the toilets, right? People mop the floors and vacuum the carpet. People who welcome people as they come in on Sunday mornings and on Saturday nights. Uh, you know, those hosts, they have supernatural smiles, right? They have supernatural smiles. God is always working through us. It's just not a regular smile. If you, you talk to a person who, let's say you go to some event and they have greeters and that type of thing. Uh, that's not a supernatural smile if they don't know the Lord. Okay? But when they walk in here, we're, we're grace-giving. And that, that's a supernatural smile that God can use in a person's life to say, this is a warm, safe place where you can come out and find out about me. Uh, you think about our workers in KOTK. I mean, right now they're back there loving those kids, encouraging them, changing their diapers, whatever. They're giving grace. They're helping those kids to learn about God's love, and they're serving you by taking care of them, and they're investing in their lives. That's all grace giving. And on Wednesdays, we have our Awana Clubs. Awana Club is a great two-hour event for kids, kindergarten through sixth grade. We have over 180 kids and they're giving grace to those kids by playing games with them and memorizing verses and uh, teaching Bible stories. And right now, you know, we are limited in our Awana capacity. We're having to put a waiting list together and things of that nature because we don't have enough grace givers to serve on Wednesday night. And this shouldn't be. We should never have to turn kids away. Right? So, man, I really want to encourage you. That's in our... One area where we need people, we need men, you men. And there's a lot of men who serve, and we need more men. But, but think about, hey, I want to commit every Wednesday night to God. I'm going to make a difference. And you don't have to have tons of experience with kids. Just show up, love them, encourage them, you know, keep them in line, all that kind of stuff. Hey, step in. Step into ministry. Be an Awana leader so we can have more kids coming in to our community. You think about small groups and all the grace that's given there. Become a host of a small group. There's so many different, 11 different ministries you'll be able to, to see over there in relationship to what you can be involved in. Now, I want to encourage uh, the rest of you, those who are already involved in ministry, I want to encourage you not to step in because you're already involved in ministry. I want to encourage you to step up. Now, uh, some people... Maybe you're doing, you know, serving in KOTK once a month or serving in another area once a month. Now, that's good. That's stepping in. That's kind of getting your feet wet. But we need people in our calling center here to step up, to get more involved. Instead of serving just one weekend, serve two weekends. That's why we have two services, right? So you can come to one service and serve at the other service. We, we want to meet your needs, but we also want to give you an opportunity to serve. 
But we need people to step up in leadership. We, we need key leaders in a lot of our ministries. And you've been involved in the ministry for a long time and you have a passion for it. But we want you to step to the next level. Or you're in a small group and you love the small group and that type of thing, but you know that you have the ability to be a small group leader. But you don't want to leave your group and you don't, you know, just, you don't want to go. Well, listen to the Spirit. Is He telling you to make the move? To saying that there's a lot of other people who need that small group environment so they can receive grace? Well, step up. Step up. We need to be fully staffed here if we're going to be God's 911 calling center. Because it's so critical, the work that we're doing. Jesus said this way in Matthew 9:36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. We don't want it to be that way here in our family. We want the workers to be abundant in order that we might do the best job we can in extending grace to those who don't know Jesus and extending grace to each other as we all grow in our relationship with Him. And you're going to have an opportunity just in a few moments to explore different ministries. And I encourage you to step in and I encourage you to step up. Dear Heavenly Father, thank You for the time we've had to talk about grace-giving. You've given us a tremendous privilege to be able to be deliverers of Your grace, to pour grace into people's lives. Thank You for everything You do for us. In Christ's name, Amen.